And welcome to Central Coast Voices, a program addressing the ramifications of change in our communities and beyond, and how today's choices will impact tomorrow's community. This program is a project of Action for Healthy Communities, and it's provided in collaboration with KCBX and the Community Foundation, San Luis Obispo County. Today, our host, Lotta Murdy, will speak with guests Rob Himoto, president of the Santa Maria Valley Railroad, and Shelley Klein, curator of the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society. They're going to discuss the history of the Central Coast, its development, and current efforts to preserve its rich past. We invite you to listen, learn, and participate in our conversation today, Thursday, between 1 and 2. And you can uh, send your questions in, although we will not be able to take calls today. You can uh, reach the panel and uh, submit your questions at voices at kcbx.org. And with that, let's join Lada and her guests. Over to you, Lada. Thank you, Brad. Listeners, how much do you know about the history of Santa Maria Valley in the northern part of Santa Barbara County? What can California's Central Coast learn from this history, and how can we help preserve it? My guests today will help us answer those questions. They are Rob Himoto, president of the Santa Maria Valley Railroad, and calling in from the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum is Shelley Klein who is a curator for the museum. Welcome, Rob and Shelley. Hello, Lana. Thank you for having us. Thank you for being here. So tell us about your organizations. Shelley, let's start with you. Tell us when and why the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum began. Well, it started out with someone who actually wasn't born in Santa Maria, but came here in 1927. Her name was Ethel May Dorsey. She was a singer and actress, and she ended up at our Gaiety Theater, which was located on East Main Street, and ended up meeting the owner, Harry Dorsey, who, of course, began romancing her, and they ended up becoming married. And she was the one who was really interested about the history and talking to other people and hearing their stories about Santa Maria. So she started... Um, trying to put all these stories together, writing them down and bringing them together. And she realized that is way too big of a uh, task for just one person. And so she grabbed some of the locals in the area and started to put together this history and these oral histories from people. And then it actually ended up forming the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society in 1955, And um, they had over 200 original members. And then they took all of these things that people had donated, and they had a museum in the basement of the Carnegie Library. And four years later, her book came out, um, This Is Our Valley, where they compiled um, many of these stories and histories about Santa Maria. Interesting. So 1927 is when Ethel... Um, came up with this idea, but the museum didn't start till 1955. Is that correct? The actual historical society. So 27 is when she came here. And so I suppose she'd been living here, you know, 10, 15 years before she thought, wow, I need to know more about her. These people are telling me these stories. Or there's interesting things, you know, going on around here. And so you know, probably in the 40s after World War II is when she decided, you know, maybe I need to start writing these things down. And that's when she realized, i got to get more people to help me. And that's when they came up with the idea of having this society. 
Very interesting.、Um, do you still have some of those oral histories at the、um, museum? Yes, we do.、Um, we have them both on tape, and we also have some that are, have been transcribed. Now, whether those are the actual originals from the 50s, I don't know, but we do have the book. That does have a lot of those stories in it. Wow. And Rob, what about the Santa Maria Valley Railroad? So, the Santa Maria Valley Railroad was started in, in 1911 to serve、uh, an asphalt plant in Rhodomite, which is、uh, sort of southeast of Sisquoc. Rhodomite was the largest asphalt plant in the world at the time、um, to serve the, the beginnings of the, of the automobile industry. Um, it also served the sugar beet plant in Betteravia. In 1925, Captain G. Allen Hancock took the railroad over.、Um, it wasn't doing so well. He proceeded to invest heavily into the railroad and into Santa Maria. He developed、uh, fresh vegetable farming and、um, warehousing where he was able to utilize the railroad.、Um, by 19, the early 1930s, in the middle of the Depression,、uh, The railroad was doing quite well. In fact,、uh, it was one of the busiest、uh, small railroads on, on the West Coast.、Um, he, he continued to build it.、Um, it served,、uh, went 24 hours a day during World War II, or、uh, served the, the new air base for the Army Air Corps.、Um, and then into the 1950s and the 1960s, it was still a major、uh, transportation component of the San Maria Valley. Captain Hancock passed away in 1965, and his family took over the railroad. And、uh, it was still doing well, but there was competition from trucks.、Um, they used to do a lot of crude oil, but the crude oil went out by, by pipeline by then.、Um, used to do a lot of fresh vegetables, but that,、uh, they could not compete with trucks. So the. the The, the freight started shrinking,、um, and by the late 80s,、uh, it was only the, the sugar plant was the main source of freight revenue. 1992,、uh, the Union Sugar Plant closed, and the railroad lost 75% of their、uh, business. The railroad drifted around for a number of years, and finally, uh, uh, it was owned by two of the Hancock Trust. Finally, in 2000, one Hancock Trust took over and tried to revive the railroad. And they couldn't do it. They decided to put it up for sale in 2006.、Uh, my family and I purchased the railroad. And it's been an, in a turnaround situation since. And so it's primarily a freight railroad? Yes, it's primarily a freight railroad. When they were chartered in 1911, they were chartered to do. Passengers, but the、uh, narrow gauge Pacific Coast Railway still competed with them head to head and, and they could never crack the passenger market. However, in, during World War II,、um, they did have passenger trains on the line、uh, to bring in,、uh, the cadets to train at the Army Air Corps. And so I thought it was interesting in the notes that you shared. Uh, in preparation for this program, that some people think of the railroad as Captain Hancock's toy train. Is that how you put it? Yeah, it's like a, a, most people these days, they don't know what an impact, how important the railroad was to the San Maria Valley.、Um, 
Um, if you think back 1911 or even 1882 when the uh, Pacific Coast came to San Maria, uh, that was really the railroads were the main way to transport goods and people. And if you didn't have a railroad, your, your community shrunk. If you had a railroad, your community thrived. And Santa Maria thrived, and especially with Captain Hancock coming in 1925, where he bought, purchased a lot of land and invested heavily into the valley. And so what changes has your family made with the railroad since purchasing it in 2006? So when we took over the railroad, uh, most of the traffic was gone. Uh, what traffic was left was heavily ag. So what we did was we went and knocked on doors and we diversified the traffic. Uh, we do a lot of building materials, uh, manufactured goods, and kind of diversified it to grow that traffic. The more traffic we grow, the more trucks we take off the road, which is better for the streets and roads and better for the environment. Um, Shelley, I have a similar question for you. How has the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum changed over the years? Well, the building that we're currently in at 616 South Broadway um, was built. They raised funds. The Historical Society raised the funds, and they uh, made this building because, as you might know, the Carnegie Library was torn down, and another library came around, and so moving artifacts and donated items is difficult. So they decided that they were going to come up with their own building. And so they were able to um, make this building and build it in 1974, and it was open in 1975. And so we've been here since then, and um, we're sort of out. We've been remodeled several times to um, add, like, office space and resource library space and, of course, the Internet and, you know, all the things you need <laughs> to modernize and keep up with um, the current ways of visiting and seeing things. And, um, and we're still sort of running out of space. <laughs> so um, the city, we are now, it is a city-owned building, and we are part of the Park and Rec Department as um, one of the free open public library um, museums available in the city. Very good. And so when you say they, Shelley, you're referring to the society? Yes, the society is the sole um, body that oversees the museum and all of our artifacts. And how large is this society? We currently are around 170 members. All, with, Sa all Santa Maria residents? Uh, well, no. That's the beauty of it. Um, we've got 20 um, lifetime um, members, and then we've got the rest um, are people who have a history with Santa Maria, either their relatives, grandparents, parents. Um, so we do have quite a few members that um, do live out of the state, but they still support through their membership and still want to hear the news of what's going on in Santa Maria. It's really interesting. We had someone come in yesterday and started talking about all the old homes that she remembered when she was young in the, you know, late 50s, early 60s, and wanted to know, you know, what had happened to those houses or if they're still there. Even though she lived in um, the Orchid area, she, she has those memories. And that's one of the great things about the museum is it brings back those memories and we can help answer questions and um, clarify 
identify things and, and help people relive their childhood in a lot of ways. It's, it, a lot of people just enjoy that, seeing those things and talking about those things. Yeah, I, I can see how they can be really beneficial for, for people. Um, and so the society consists of anybody who is a member, and what does it take to be a member? So all it takes is a, uh, to be a member is a membership. Individual memberships are only $25, and we have a little form you fill out, and you will receive our quarterly newsletters, be invited to our quarterly presentations, our annual meeting, and any field trips or interesting things that we plan throughout the year, along with coming in and um, getting a tour and being able to sit down and use our resource library. Nice. Nice. So... Uh, you said 616 Broadway? 616 South Broadway. South. We're right next to the Chamber of Commerce in Santa Maria. In Santa Maria. Um, and Rob, if someone wanted to visit the Santa Maria Valley Railroad, could they do that? Well, um, the railroad is a working railroad, and we're basically an industrial yard there. So it's not really open to the public. However, we have a nonprofit, Friends of the Santa Maria Valley Railroad, where uh, we open it to for various events where they can visit the, the railroad um, kind of behind the scenes. Uh, the Friends is, was formed to preserve specifically the history of the San Maria Valley Railroad and to actually uh, educate people, the public, ab- about the current industry that is still relevant today. Very good. I'm Lada Murti with you for Central Coast Voices on KCBX, your Central Coast listener-supported radio station. My guests today are Shelley Klein, curator of the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum, and Rob Himoto, president of the Santa Maria Valley Railroad. And we are talking about both organizations, the museum and the railroad, and how they started, as well as how Rob and Shelley started working with these organizations, which we'll talk about in just a minute. We invite and welcome you to bring your questions or comments about today's topic to our guests. To do that, please email your questions to voices at kcbx.org. So, Rob, you're talking about the Friends of the Santa Maria Valley Railroad. So how large is that group? Uh, Membership is about 130 members. And they're spread across the United States. The, the San Maria Valley Railroad among uh, railroad fans are, is pretty popular, um, mainly because um, there's about 550 short-line railroads across the U.S., which means small railroads. And most of them are owned by conglomerates. And we're one of the few that are still owned independently. We're mm. still the mom and pop. There's 25 short lines left in California, and only three of us are actual small mom and pops and so it's a small organization uh we we have locomotives um that we call first generation diesel locomotives so it's the models that replace the steam locomotives so we've got old locomotives that um, fans like to see and they just like to see a small family-owned operation so we get visitors from across the country and for those of us who don't know much about trains what's a short line so a shoreline railroad is basically a small railroad, usually less than 100 miles in length. Um, the railroad industry these days is dominated by four 
um, large railroads, Union Pacific, BNSF, uh, Norfolk Southern, CSX. Um, and those and, are for freight. And those are for freight. And they pretty much uh, go across the, the country. We interchange with the Union Pacific Railroad, which is the largest freight railroad in North America. And so our customers uh, can get freight uh, to anywhere in, in North America that's served by rail. Wow. So how did you come to work or be president of Santa Maria Valley Railroad? <laughs> well, it's a long story. Uh, my family and I invested in some s- small railroads in the Midwest. And uh, I went into the, the, the office one day in, at the railroad and said, hey, if this railroad ever went for sale, let me know. And uh, years later, uh, they gave me a call. Are you still interested? Uh, the Hancocks, they're going to put the railroad up for sale, so put a bid on it. So we put a bid on it, and uh, we won the bid and purchased the railroad uh, 17 years ago. Oh, wow. We being your family. <laughs> right, correct. So they remembered your interest. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's impressive. Shelly, how about you? How did you come to work at the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum? Well, I had been a member for several years because, uh, you know, I like history and I'm born and raised here and we had other friends that were members. And um, one of the volunteers is actually a classmate of mine and uh, he just said, you know, um, we're going to lose our curator, so why don't you come (laughs) and work for us? And so that's how it actually happened. When I retired, um, it just was the perfect timing that they needed a curator, and because of my background, both being born and raised here, and also being a teacher, so I had, you know, skills with dealing with people and dealing with paperwork and pretty up on technology. Um, So I was a a perfect fit, and um, I've really been enjoying. I love working with volunteers, and my background with Girl Scouts and PTA and school um, groups really helps with dealing with volunteers, too. So um, I've really been enjoying it and working with the public and getting our our little museum out there so that people will come and visit us. Wonderful. And how long have you been a curator? (laughs) Just for about a year and three months. (laughs) I know that you've um, done a lot for the Society and Museum in that time. So um, you were always connected, though, to the museum. Yes. So do your organizations work together, Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum and the Santa Maria Valley Railroad? Um, yes, yes, we do. In fact, um, some of the gentlemen from the Friends of the Railroad were just at the museum this week because they made a donation. Um, so we would separate it out, the um, Central Pacific Railway, with the Santa Maria Valley Railroad. And so we are working on upgrading that display to emphasize um, the history, as Rob has explained, of the um, Santa Maria Valley Railroad. And not only that, but we have a lot of members in common, you know, because they like history. So they're friends of both of our um, organizations. And I know on my side, I definitely try to promote um, the Santa Maria Valley Railroad and the Friends of the Railroad. And we you know, attend each other's events and things. So I think we do. How about you, Rob? 
Yeah, so I just want to say Shelly is great. We're so happy that she's the curator. Um, Shelly, she's a local, and she's very passionate about history. And uh, so she's really, really learning a lot about the railroad and uh, really putting up a nice display. So it works for well. The Friends, we don't have a physical location, so kind of rely on the, the museum um, to have a display where people can actually see uh, what what the railroad did. So, Shelly, you're going to have to expand the museum, <laughs> it sounds like. <laughs> yes, we, we, we talk with the city and the park and rec about that pretty regularly. <laughs> wow, okay. So, um, yeah, there's so much history to preserve. Speaking of that, what exactly is historical preservation, Shelley? Well, it can be many things. Not only the objects, um, you know, we've got clothing, we've got um, artifacts, um, we've got um, diaries, photo albums, those kind of things. Lots of photos, and those are always really fun. But it's also the stories. I believe, you know, the, the, the life, it's people's lives and what they did and what it was like back then. Um, and so preserving it requires lots of things from um, writing books that we've had published uh, to coming and making presentations to sharing. Um, I just have done a recent World War II veteran um, display, and I want to work on um, and more veterans this year because um, I want to get these stories before we lose. That's what we're, I'm afraid of, is that we're going to lose these um, ideas on how it was and how people lived and what was important and what they valued and, and the fun stuff they did um, and the situations they overcame. So preserving history, is, it's a really big, <laughs> it's a really big job. And... Um, getting people involved and helping and sharing and then be to be able to assess that and, and keep it, scan it, preserve it. Um, and we're, of course, doing that all digitally now um, so that in the future we can look back and, and make sense of why things are with the, the way they are and how people live. Rob, I saw you nodding as Shelley was talking about a fear or concern of losing um, people's stories and their past. Uh, can you talk about that some more? Well, for us, it's uh, the past really dictates our present. So we're always researching the history of the railroad and the history of the city and how they interact. And that really guides us to the present and the future. Um, there, there's parts of the railroad where we have um, issues with the city, and we really have to look at the past to see what the intent was, why the tracks were there or how they were laid. So it's really important for, the history is really important for us to operate in the present. So it's, yeah. So the history is really not just in the past. No, it, it's, it guides us, it dictates what's happening in the present. It guides us for the future. Very good. I, I do want to return to that um, in a moment. But uh, Shelley, I wanted to ask you if there's something that's really not historical preservation um, is there what is historical preservation not? We talked about what it is. Is there anything that's not historical preservation? Um, that's a really difficult question. I haven't really thought about. Um, <laughs> you know, we I like 
seeing and reading about the past, you know, and, and getting those stories about what people did or how they lived. And, and a lot of people I know now are looking into their genealogy, so they, you know, they want to know. Um, we just had a member um, share that he had an uncle who was in the World War One, or a great uncle who was in World War One and had won this outstanding medal. And so then you always think, well, wh- where is that medal? Or, uh, you know, it seems like it connects to everything. So it's really hard to say what's not historical <laughs> preservation. Um, as far as I know, I haven't found out yet. So we should keep everything, right? <laughs> this is not well, good for those of us who um, who don't um, like to throw things away. <laughs> right, right, I know. But, uh, but <laughs> the best things are the stories and the personal things, you know, the scrapbooks and the photo albums, um, you know, and, and what's scary is that now everyone has everything so digital. So whether or not there's a story that goes with it, I mean, maybe it'll have a time marker, which is all, always important to know what date the photo was taken. But is there a story that goes with it? And mm-hmm. so to really be a, a curator is to actually tell the story mm-hmm. and then have the artifacts and the photos and, that go with it. So what's scary about it, that there's not enough context in today's digital posts or, oh, or yeah, sharing? Oh, yeah, definitely. If you would um, go back and, and read newspapers from, you know, the 1880s or even 1920, where they actually list people having birthday parties and who attended them, mm. you know, all that kind of social interaction um, is now done, you know, on Facebook or Instagram or and so it's not written down. And so, you know, 50 years from now, people are going to want to know what my, my childhood was in the 60s or going to school. And there's, um, it's going to be more difficult to, to find all of that stuff. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is scary with newspapers um, dying and everything being digital and quick that you, you lose the, like, the essence of that time period. So at the same time, doing going digital, doesn't it allow you to preserve more? As in you have more you have more less limited, I should say, space to store uh, the past. There's a great capacity for for storage there. What's the fear of loss? Because we can save everything, right? Well, the fear is the stories that go with it. Mm. You know, that's, that's the actual um, fear, is that is there a, a providence? You know, um, we've got many things, and some things we don't even know what they are at the museum, <laughs> and so that's sort of a mystery find. But, you know, why was this bowl important? You know, mm. you know was it from a grandparent, or, or was it just something that bought at the local? I mean, we did receive a tea set from um, the Mercantile Orchid, uh, Mercantile when it was pretty pretty new. So that has, you know, a story to go with it. This is what people bought when that first opened that store. Um, but so many things don't have this story. Mm. And, and that's, that's where my fear lies, is that there's, there's no personalization of it. It's just an object. But you are right. Digital does help. And, in fact, I've even started um, yearly summaries of what has happened. So you don't have to keep everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, although those 
those beautiful diaries where people wrote with ink pens in, in their beautiful handwriting or letters, you know, that were handwritten are, are wonderful things. But um, just summarizing things. And, and there's been a lot of clubs and organizations that, that, you know, they come. There's a lot of them. Like there was a lot of birthday clubs during Prohibition because that's when you could go and have a party. Hmm. Party, you know. But <laughs> they, you know, and then they would die away. But how do you, who knows what that was if it wasn't for the newspapers or it wasn't for continuing it or, you know, our summaries or um, headlines in the newspapers, you know, where you help do things, you know. It just sort of puts the picture together better of what life was like at that time. Very, very interesting to think about. Uh, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I, I want to hear more specific stories about the railroad as well. Uh, but we are going to take a short break to hear from our studio. Over to you, Brad. And thank you very much, Lotta. I'm Brad Kyle with this uh, reminder from the KCBX Community Calendar. You can hear a discussion about how gardening can help balance the climate on Sunday, January 28th from 2 to 4. It'll be at the Unitarian Universalist Church on Lawton Avenue in San Luis Obispo. The event is called Life, Soil, Food, and You, and it's brought to you by the Central Coast Center for Ecological Civilization. For all the details, you can visit their website at cccecoci iv.org or if that's uh, too long to remember you can also catch it on the calendar tab at kcbx.org central coast voices continues after this i'm maria hinojosa this week on latino usa every time they need a gang member call a latino <laughs> a narco call a latino i sit down with mexican comedy star eugenio derbez we talk about becoming a dramatic actor and how he wants to change the narrative of latinos in hollywood that's this week on Latino USA. On the next Fresh Air, why the regional war in the Middle East that no one wanted is already here and why it may now be difficult to contain. We talk with New York Times White House and national security correspondent David Sanger. He writes that Iran and its proxies are posing a new challenge to the West with Russia and China on Iran's side. Join us. Black Americans get left behind in this economy in a whole lot of ways. Among them, health care. You know, health is really not just about what happens in the exam room or the clinic room between a patient and a physician. It really is about what's happening in the community. I'm Kai Rizdal, a prognosis for racial health disparities from a physician herself. Next time on Marketplace. And that's what's ahead on our Thursday here on KCBX. Latino USA is coming up from 2 to 3, followed by Fresh Air from 3 to 4. And then it's Marketplace at 4 o'clock. Right now, let's return to Lada Murdy and her guests on Central Coast Voices. Back to you, Lada. Thanks, Brad. Welcome back to Central Coast Voices. Today's guests are Rob Himoto, president of the Santa Maria Valley Railroad, and Shelley Klein. Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum Curator. And we've been talking about the story in history, how that is as important or more important than historical artifacts and objects. Listeners, what questions do you have about Santa Maria history or about historical preservation in general? What do you want to know about Santa Maria Valley Railroad? Please call and tell us. You can email your questions 
and comments to voices at kcbx.org, and we will get them on the air. So, Rob Shelley, before the break, was telling us about、uh, the stories that accompany objects、um, at, from the past、um, and newspaper stories. And then you were talking about stories of immigrant communities and communities of color in relation to the railroad. You were talking to me about that over the break. Do you want to talk some more about that with our listeners? Sure.、Um, it's something、um, I think it's important to know like, who built the railroad. So, our oldest branch of the railroad is our north south branch, we call the air base branch, was, was part of the Pacific Coast. Narrow gauge railroad.、Um, the railroad ran from Port Harford, which is now Avila Beach, to San, San Luis Obispo. Then it came south through San Maria and ended up in Los Olivos.、Um, came into San Maria in 1882, and the line was actually built by, by Chinese immigrants.、Um, Chinese immigrants were very skilled at, at building railroads. So, they, after the Transcontinental Railroad, they went to other railroads to keep building railroads. In 1882, though, that was the same year as the Chinese Exclusion Act. So, there, there was enough Chinese to build the railroad through Santa Maria. As it went south, I'm still researching this, but、um, I've heard stories where there was a shortage of, of workers. They couldn't get any more workers from China. So, they,、um, workers from Japan came. And built the railroad out to Los Olivos.、Um, the, the Pacific Coast went out of business just before World War II, like 1940. 1942, Captain Hancock purchased this、uh, part of the line to serve the Army Air Base. It was a narrow gauge track, so they had to relay the, the track into standard gauge. Narrow gauge is narrower than a standard gauge railroad. It's less expensive to build,、um, but the, the disadvantage is you can't interchange your cars directly with the big railroads. So he had to standard gauge it, and World War II breaks out. There's a shortage of, of workers. And so、uh, they had a program with Mexico where they brought in、uh, Hispanics from Mexico, and they started to come in to complete that line. So, it's kind of a, a, a pretty rich history there that I'd like to see preserved. It's rich and it speaks to how the national、um, intersects with the local and then the international. And so, yeah, there, there's a lot going on there in that history. So, when you said you're researching it and, and hearing or reading stories, can you talk some more about that? Well, when we purchase the railroad, it comes with lots of paperwork, and、uh, we're going through old, old paperwork and reading through. And then I'm also on newspapers.com, and that's kind of a, as Shelly knows, this can be a rabbit hole. We found some great information of, of stories from back then. That goes back to what Shelly was saying the importance of newspapers. Um, and having that written record. Are there any oral histories? You know,、well? unfortunately, not.、Um, when I was younger, I, you know, there w a s people around that, that had firsthand information. And、uh, 
I, I kick myself for not taking the time to really talk more to them. Even when we first took over the railroad, there were still people alive that had those old histories. And uh, and so I think, to Shelley's point, it's very important to to preserve the firsthand oral history because after that, then it gets secondhand and it gets diluted. So I'm working on secondhand oral history. I'm um, contact with people who's, who's – fathers and grandfathers worked for the railroad and and see what they remember of their stories and your own family is japanese american yes and so did is the railroad what brought them to this area no um we were a farming family up north near sacramento uh, and i'm the one that convinced the family to switch from farming to, to railroading um but the, the side story is, as I was doing research, uh, we've, we have some piece of property that doesn't really have clear title. And a gentleman by the name of John F. Goodwin pops up. And it turns out um, he's a direct descendant of one of my dad's business partners in farming up north. So it all circles around. And then I found out, oh, this is a few years ago, I found out on my dad's side, everybody's passed away that we have relatives buried in Guadalupe, but I don't know their names. <laughs> so I, I actually have family connections here. Oh, wow. <laughs> but you didn't know that until... Didn't know that. <laughs> until recently. Yeah. Interesting. So I want to go back to a point you made about you know, kicking yourself for not recording things when you're younger, but I think that's quite common when you're you're younger often you don't appreciate um the history of where you live and, and that you're making history that, that you're part of your regions or your places history so Shelley could you talk um about why young people particularly young people on the central coast should care about the region's history and about preserving that history? Well, of course, one of the ways is to really put, um, like you said, context or understanding to um, how things work. You know, we, we like to think, as Rob said, we had the Army Air Base, and then that spot became our actually our airport, you know, and I was just looking at Wikipedia's history of Santa Maria. They have a few little mistakes in there. But the idea that you know, we had an air base here and that there were several pilots that were killed learning to fly P-38 in this valley. There's just um, a lot of things that people don't understand that might relate to today that if they don't take a look at their history or don't look at, you know, basically that idea where you're from, you know, where's your family, you know, that helps ground people and help them understand um you know, things that people did because of the times or the situation or the environment. Um, it's, it's important that they remember those things, they learn those things, and, of course, that they just don't um, just don't throw something away, you know, you know, oh, it's old, but it might have some historical significance and they, they might not even know. So coming and visiting a museum and seeing what's there and being able to share um, and add, we're continuing adding. There's just layers that we had to continue and add. And so when I tell people, if you came here to Santa Maria, 
your family came in the 50s or 60s, I said, you're now a pioneer. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be the turn of the century. It could just be coming in the 60s or 70s. And a lot of people came in the 80s because of the Vandenberg and the missiles and things. You are now part of our, our local history, too. And so we want to hear your stories. You know, we all need to blend together. And what about those of us who are descended from indigenous communities or immigrant communities or um, enslaved communities? How do we answer that question, where are we from, or, or how could the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum help us with that? Well, there's, yeah, I I mean, they're trying to, that's an interesting question I don't think I've had before. But um, the idea that, you know, where you come from brings something. You you have a history there, but then you have a history here. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're bringing your history forward to the current situation. That makes sense? It does, it does. And I should have been more specific. I was thinking, um, what can you offer, like someone from, an indigenous community. Have you preserved indigenous histories of the area? And by you, I mean the society and the museum. Um, do you have those histories to share? Uh, Rob was talking about Asian American, Asian immigrant communities here. What do you have at the uh, Society Museum, Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum, that people can find about those communities? Well, we, we have a lot of history. For example, we have um, the histories of Santa Barbara County, the history of San Luis County. Um, we have specific things, for example, the history of the Buddhist Temple in Guadalupe, which is it, that was interesting. We said, why in Guadalupe? It's not like we didn't have one in Santa Maria. They didn't have one in San Luis. It's in Guadalupe. Um, so we do have a lot of those um, resource materials, things that have been written um, from local people here and also other things that have been written about local people here. Um, we've got uh, information about the Filipino society and when the Filipino workers were also um, coming to our area, um, we're, we've got information about the internment camp that the Japanese families had to go to. So, And we do I even have some stories about the Native Indians in our surrounding foothills Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. So it's, we do have the bits and pieces. Um, we don't have necessarily just the complete you know, anthropology of certain areas, but um, we have a lot of um, resources and things that were written. As I said, some things written in the history of Santa Barbara County written in the 1880s kind of stuff that go back to Fremont and the, the Rancheros and all the, even Father um, Sierra, and so it's it's interesting, and of course you have to remember who wrote the history. Right. So it's it's <laughs> it is it, that's what makes it to me like a mystery and fun because to see to see how things were written and see how they've um, grown through time and how you can put all the pieces together to get an overall um, story. It's like detective work, I imagine. Yes, yes it is. I'm Lana Murti with you for Central Coast Voices on KCBX, Central Coast Public Radio. 
your listener-supported radio station. If you recently joined us for today's show and want to listen to the entire broadcast, you can. It's available on our website at www.kcbx.org under the On Demand tab. Click on Central Coast Voices and you will find this show and many others to choose from. Today's guests with me are Shelley Klein, curator for the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum, and also Rob Himoto, president of the Santa Maria Valley Railroad. We still have a little more time for your emailed questions or comments at voices at kcbx.org. So, Shelley, I, I think what you shared about uh, histories in this region for those of us um, from historically underrepresented or excluded communities um, was very insightful. And I, it made me think with Black History Month around the corner, uh, what does the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum have on uh, the history of black Santa Marians? Well, we do have um, some, some information about the black servicemen who were at the Army Air Base. And we also have, a, um, again, a story that was written about the Gatewood family. Um, so that was another um, a black family in our valley. And so um, we don't have a lot because there weren't a lot, but we do have um, some, some um, resources about the black community in Santa Maria. And how about with the railroad, Rob? Uh, was there a history of black railroad workers in the community? No, it's a mainly Hispanic and Caucasian uh, railroad workers. Um, something I need, I need to point out, though, uh, Santa Maria Valley Railroad was uh, uh, one of the forerunners of getting women into railroading. Mm. Marion Hancock was one of the first women railroad presidents. And uh, since the 1950s, uh, the railroad has had a female board of directors continuously on the board since the 1950s, th the longest-running railroad to have a female board director. Um, if you look at the large railroads like Union Pacific, BNSF, and CSX, they did not have a, a women uh, director on the board until the 1990s. And so we were, we're way ahead of everybody. Also, Sue Sword was the very first female director of the American Short Line Association back in the 1970s. So we're really the, 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 the forerunners of, of, of women in railroading in America. Yeah, we really are. I'm glad you <laughs> shared that. I didn't know that. And, and Marion Hancock was the wife of Captain yes. John G. Hancock. And that was when, again? It was the early 1950s. Early 1950s. Where she became a board member, and then she became the president after Captain Hancock passed away. But she served on the board since the 1950s, and we currently have a female director on the board. So here's a question that I know I, I, I warned you both about right before the show <laughs> that um, I, I really would like to ask as someone who was a transplant to the area. I came with my family in 2011 to Santa Maria. And it it seems it seemed to me even before 
uh, my family and I moved to this area that Santa Maria in particular is known for not really being known. And what I mean by that is that the Santa Maria Valley tends to be invisible or overshadowed by the cities of Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, and also Monterey. And these are usually the places that people think of when they think of California's central coast, even though population-wise, Santa Maria is larger than Santa Barbara and larger than San Luis Obispo. And so how does history, if at all, help to explain this relative invisibility of the Santa Maria Valley? I know it's a big question, but it's one I've had for a long time. And so, Shelley, can you help me with that? Well, one of the reasons would probably be because we're not a county seat. Both Santa Barbara and San Luis and Monterey are county seats, and then they also have missions. Mm. Um, and so I think at the beginning, a lot of tourism and different things revolved around the county seats and the missions. And so we didn't get to be more sophisticated, right, <laughs> until, as Rob was saying, in about the 50s is when, you know, after World War II, when we started growing more. Um, we were only 10,000 in 1955. So, um, yeah, we weren't that big compared to... Santa Barbara and San Luis. So what really led to that growth? For, for Santa Maria, I believe it was um, the, the airport and the air base. Um, when um, Camp Cook became um, Vandenberg Air Force Base, I think that brought in, and then they started the missile programs, I think that brought in a lot of people to our valley. I do know that we, in the early, late 50s and early 60s, we had to build a lot of schools because a lot more families were coming into the valley. And the railroad, too, I imagine, led to the growth of Santa Maria, but maybe not in the 1950s. Um, it, it still carried a lot of freight in the 1950s. It was very competitive. So, uh, yeah, it, it really helped It really helped the growth. As time went on, it was less of a, a factor. But I think Santa Maria, is, as an ag and industrial hub, those aren't really sexy type uh, industries, so it's kind of more of a hidden industry compared to San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara. That's that's what I've always thought, and so I'm glad you brought up that history of missions um, and cities growing up around missions, Shelley, because that had never occurred to me before. So thank you for for helping me with that question. I want to go back to to something that you both have alluded to that history is is growing and changing right as we keep finding out more about and from communities so how can residents listeners not just in santa maria but the central coast at large how can they help contribute to that growing history and the preservation of that history um, especially if we're in more mi- minoritized communities. Shelley, did you want to? Uh, I'll start, but I just wanted to add something to Rob. He was right, that, and you are too, that the railroad helped. If the Pacific Coast Railway had went through Guadalupe, Guadalupe would be a much bigger town than Santa Maria. But mm. it came through Santa Maria, and then we, we, the, we are the city that grew more, and that's why we're bigger than Guadalupe now. Um, so, anyway, um, how can they get involved? Well, you know, 
part of the things they need to do is, um, of course, you can check out your local resources, your local, um, you know, museums and um, places of historical interest. Um, Park and Rec departments, of course, um, are also often involved in that with landmarks and things. Um, They also could, um, you know, if they have, what we do at the museum is, is we will scan things. So we don't have to have your photo album or your grandmother's diary. We've had families come over with their grandmother's diary or great grandmother's diaries, and then we just scanned them so that you can keep the actual artifact, but then we're adding that story to our preservation. And the same with photos. We're adding the photos to our preservation. Um, and th- that's one way to help preserve it so that not just um, the city's history, but also your family history. Because you'd be surprised the number of people who call up and want to know information about a family member who used to live here. And even we just had one recently that person was a cadet at the air base school. So, you know, just having those kind of um, connections helps us preserve and keep um, the history. Rob, did you have anything to add? You know, I, I agree with start with preserving your family history. So our family, our cousins and stuff, we actually have made a point to get together once a year to document and preserve history and to trade pictures. I I think starting with your own family because you're making history every day and so we need to preserve that. I came here in 1980 and there's so many people that... I'm the old guy now. I'm the guy that's the historian because, you know... A lot of people are much younger than than me, so it's like you become part of the history. So, to to take it in, and you're writing down who comes to your family gathering every year, right? To oh, give yes. to Shelley for the museum oh, later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> write down. This is what I've learned. I'm going to write down who who comes to all my gatherings from here on out. Not just type it up, but but write it down. Um, Rob, I wondered about something, or I've been wondering about something that came up in the July 2022 show I did for Central Coast Voices on uh, renovations to historic buildings in Guadalupe, and that there is going to be a passenger railway that's opening up soon. So, yeah, we plan to start up excursions uh, so the public can can uh, ride on our line, and we're trying to get that thing going this this year. We did it when we first took over the railroad 17 years ago. It was a major hit. We just didn't have enough personnel to do that, and now we do. We're just trying to acquire a couple more uh, rail cars to do dinner trains on our line. I look forward to that and, and maybe hope to have some guests on in the future, perhaps including including you, Rob, to talk some more about that. I'm excited about that. Uh, we have just, just a minute before we have to close out the show. And so I was wondering, Rob, Shelley, if each of you could uh, tell, tell us what the work preserving history has meant for each of you personally. What personal impact has it had? For each of you. Well, as Rob said, it's making me want to look more into my personal family's history and, of course, um, to preserve what I have and what I know and, as Rob said, making history as we go. Um, 
it's also led to some really a better understanding for me. Learning about the Santa Maria Valley history has um, led to a better understanding of, of um, connections between people and how things work in a city and when you're a growing city. So it, it's fun to find those connections and those surprises and then to, to make better sense of things you just thought that's the way it was, but then, wow, that's why it is the way it is. Mm. Rob? And totally, I agree with Shelly there. It, it, it makes that connection to the present to see how things work today. Is, yep. Very good. Thank you. I want to thank our guests, Rob Himoto, president of the Santa Maria Valley Railroad, and Shelly Klein, curator with the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum. We've been talking about the Santa Maria Valley Historical Society Museum and the Santa Maria Valley Railroad and their work to preserve the history of the Santa Maria Valley. Next week on Thursday, February 1st, please join host Mario Espinosa Kulik as he speaks with guests about their insights into the history, culture, and experiences of Palestinians on California's Central Coast. You are invited to listen, learn, and participate in the conversation between 1 and 2 p.m. Call in and be part of the discussion or email questions to voices at kcbx.org. Central Coast Voices has been sponsored by Action for Healthy Communities and the San Luis Obispo Community Foundation in collaboration with KCBX. I am Lada Murti. Thank you for joining us today.